Hello, and welcome to Cine Drunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol. Brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm your host, Matt, joined by Nathan. Hey. And Elizabeth. Hi. So we are back um, with our top tens of the year. This is five through one. We are still drinking our Viola Davis Triumph. <laughs> it has Viola at liqueur in it. So, liqueur, yes. li- 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 liqueur, and we're 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 doing a test run for it for our Oscar menu. Yes, spoiler alert: this is uh, represents fences on our Oscar menu. The, sure. the Triumph Martini, for which sure. is really all about Viola. Viola, uh... you get that Oscar. <laughs> so, so listen to part one to hear our ten through six picks for twenty sixteen. Uh, here, let's. Jump right in off. Nathan, to do our to top five. five of 2016. Oh my god, my number five <laughs> is The Handmaiden. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so The Handmaiden, I just found to be tons of fun. For sure. I thought, I keep coming back to the adjective campy, which I don't know, you know. For me, it was campy. It was like watching a higher budget RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> not like not big budget, but higher budget, um, m- more tasteful. And part of what I love about Ru is that it's not always tasteful, so that's fine. But that's part of the taste, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. But it just like it. I love yet that, yet that another yet another uh, movie that was so confident and so you know. So, so owned what it was, which I feel like is becoming a theme this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you ever watched the old movie Love, Valor, Compassion, all with exclamation <laughs> Love, Vanquish, <point>. Conquer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, what I have written down is mystery, intrigue, and I didn't vaginas. come to a third one, but it was probably be vaginas or yeah. sex or something. Um, but... It was great. And <laughs> I thought this movie was very much in, or could be described as indulgent, but it was like indulgence done right, mm-hmm. like with taste and style and coherence. And um, the other just detail that I loved was the code switching between Japanese and Korean, which... Yeah. I didn't fully understand the historical implications of. I mean, now I've read a little bit about it and I but just seeing that was refreshing and interesting and added more texture to it and yeah. um it, yeah, it just so many of the details of this movie were just exquisite. Mm-hmm. Production design. Was yeah. Incredible. Oh my god, yeah. I want to live in that house. It's like half English manor, half Japanese. Yeah. My my favorite thing I think is that it's based on a English. It is it's based on an the English graphic novel. novel? Uh, just or a something? novel, just oh, okay. a novel. Fingersmith. Wow. Yep. Super cool. Yep. I think it's you. Oh, then we're good. We're done with the hand- great handmaiden. Sexy, beautiful. I think my favorite thing about the handmaiden. I was convinced Nathan to come see it, or like we were like, yes, let's go see a movie. We'll go see this. We've heard good things about it. I think Elizabeth, you'd already seen it. Yeah. Um, I and I actually don't think I've seen any Park Chan book film. This is my yeah. Both of Nathan and I's first, but I, I knew what to expect with his films and with this. 
And Nathan just knew that it was like a really long foreign, like Asian cinema. Right. That's like historical, like right. period piece. And right. I was like, really? I was thinking like okay, Crouch, sure. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon slash The Warrior. Or okay, the so like a wuja or whatever that genre. Like. More action, maybe. Yeah. No. So it, it starts, I mean, I love that it starts with like, Japanese subtitles will be in this color and Korean sub. like, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. And within like 10 minutes, like Nathan just had like a grin on his face the whole time. Like was like, I did not expect that. That was so much fun. And that plays into what we talk about a lot with like expectations. And For sure. Going into films and just like, who could have expected that out of the handmaiden? <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, Jackie. Hey, handmaiden. Who, who could have predicted this? It makes this? a great double feature with Jackie. <laughs> it really, really does. And what like doesn't? Season really? you five of Jackie with like RuPaul's Drag Race. And what doesn't go well with the handmaiden? Really, or RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race. Race. Yeah. Or RuPaul's Drag Race. Exactly. Oh, anyhow, top fives. My number five, I think Elizabeth will be shocked to learn, is Jeff Nichols' Loving. I am wow. so shocked. Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought you would not even have it on your list. No. Certainly not higher than me. It was one of the ones that when I made my long list of maybe 40 films, it was one of only six that did not have a question mark next to it. It was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to consider this film. And then by the time everything else had a question mark next to it, it was like, okay, that's definitely part of my, my top ten. I, I love that. Despite my reservations, which I mentioned a little bit when you had it at your number seven nine. or eight or nine. Wow, nine. that far down. Um, I mean, not really. but I do think that yeah. the two leads, Richard and Mildred Loving, are a little bit ciphers in their own story. But I, as I said, that's kind of part of it. Um, it's just a film that is so deliberate in setting out its goals, its thesis, its intentions of showing you that marriage is just two people who are in love and it's so mundane and so everyday and the how the profundity of yes she was african-american and he is white and yes that was illegal at the time but it's just their rebellion was so nonchalant i guess i know it was just profoundly moving without any theatrics or yeah. modeling anything. Like there's, it's it's a film that really, if you read like the logline of what it is, it's basically a, a courtroom drama. Right. But you are never, you never once see Washington D.C. You never see the Supreme Court. Yeah. You do see them in a in a courtroom a, a few times, yeah. um, but it's just like county court basically. Um, it it just sets out its intentions of setting up that that's what love is and that's what's important about what they were fighting for. Yeah. And it accomplishes it to really profound effect. It really does. Um, One of my top 10 scenes of the year, top five scenes of the year, it's in the trailers. It's not giving anything away, but in, in the context of the film, it moved me so much. And it's, um, Nick Kroll plays the lawyer who's like fighting on, their behalf um, to take the course or the case to the Supreme Court um, talks to them both, and and she's got se- several good scenes that are just her like on the phone, which yeah. is such hard acting, but she nails it. And I'm so glad she got the Oscar nomination. Um, but he is out on the porch, and it's another one that's just so lived in in, in setting a time and place and mood and what yeah. the atmosphere of the time was like, just through the perspective of what every day was like. Um, 
and he asks jo the Joel Edgerton's character, um, Richard Loving, is there anything you want me to tell the court? And you would expect there to be strings or a crescendo of like, yes, I want them to tell them I love my wife, but all yeah. it, just the way he says, tell the court I love my wife. It's right. so simple and so elegantly simple in, in how he states it, and that is perfectly sums up the thesis and the right. message of the film, and it, it moved me more than I ever thought it would, and, mm -hmm. Same. and that's why the film stuck with me. Um, they're both fantastic. And again, and when you think about the fact that like, this took place 50 years ago, but then your particular marriage like was only two years ago. You know what I mean? Right. That like, I also think that you know you said something about them being ciphers. I know I already talked about this movie, so I'm taking a precious time. Now, I'll be brief. But you talked about them being sort of ciphers, but I think that and, but and I know that's part of the but point. it being yeah. purposeful. But I also think that that's a particularly inspiring thing right now. Because especially when you think about sort of the the civil rights leaders of the days, the change maker of their times, right, are these dynamic people, Martin Luther King, Malcolm mm -hmm. X, people who died for their cause, who spoke, who take all, took all these chances and, and were amazing orators. And we sort of feel like those are the people that make change. Mm -hmm. And the truth is... People of different races are now able to marry each other because of a very ordinary couple. And yeah. I think that there's something really profound in seeing that, like, everyday citizens can have that impact. Oof. Yeah. It got to me. I'm so Got happy. to me. That's my number five. What is your number five? Well, my number five is going to be really shocking to the room. It's also The Handmaiden. Yay! <laughs> How about it? I love The Handmaiden. Talk about like a year for like empowered female movies. Mm. Um, and as opposed to you guys, I had, I mean, I had seen when I was in college, Old Boy, but that was the only Park Chan-wook film I'd seen. And then thanks to my boyfriend about a month before we saw it, maybe even less time, maybe within like a couple weeks before we saw it, I saw like all of his other films. <laughs> <laughs> so I've now seen, I think every Park Chan-wook film. Um, or at least most of them. And so I kind of knew his tone, which always has like a wry sense of humor sort of underneath, sometimes more than others. Like Thirst, I would say, is the other, which I guess is his most recent, or one of his more recent, um, which definitely has a more finely attuned sense of humor than some of the other ones that I had seen. But I was in no way expecting... Like, none of those are period pieces. Those are all contemporary films, okay. et cetera. So I was in no way expecting the production value. I was no way expecting, expecting it to be one of the movies I laughed the hardest at. Oh, sure. It is yeah. so funny. It is legitimately so really funny. The switch that happens halfway through, at that moment I was like, oh, I fucking love this movie. This movie is everything. I can't wait to watch it again. Um... You know, and I was also reminded of, because it does have some pretty graphic sex scenes, mm -hmm. but they're hilarious. Like, they're actually film, but they're still, like, sexy and sensual, but they're mm -hmm. also funny. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the humor in it that makes it feel empowered. And, like, I don't feel like I'm watching two actresses be exploited because they seem like they're genuinely having fun. Like under the male gaze. Right, as opposed to, like, that was one of the problems I had with, was with a... Blue is the warmest blue color. Blue is the warmest color, is that it just felt exploitative. It didn't feel like it was furthering the story in any sort of way. It, 
that was compelling. It felt very much like a man's idea of what sapphic love would be. Mm-hmm. But this just, I know it's a male director, but it just felt, I think, because of the humor and because of how the rest of the film was so empowered by these two female characters that it was like a celebration of that. And I was so delighted by it. The score is incredible. The costumes yes. are incredible. It, it's one of the best times I've had in the in the theater. And we saw it at like 11.10. Damn. And I was a little bit like, oh my God, a foreign film. Yeah. That's so two hours we and 40. We saw it at 10.30, I think. Yeah, at yeah. Nighthawk. Yeah, and I was drinks. like, yeah. it's two hours and 40 minutes long. It's all subtitled. I don't know if I'm up for this. And then... It ended up being one of the most fun experiences I've had in the theater. So I love that when you started talking about the sex scenes, or maybe that's just what I noticed. That our radiators like really kicked in. They did. They could feel the steam. They They could feel the steam. The heat in the room. That steam heat. Um, I really am so excited to watch it again. I can't. I can't wait. It was one of the most fun times I had in the theater. Crazy solid. Uh, Is it to me? Now we're on four. Uh, You did your five. Yeah. Yes, it's Uh, two. Number four. Pewter metal. Is that what four is? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Participation. Uh, my number four is The Witch. Ah. Another one we've discussed. The David Eggers debut. Um, which we also discussed kind of at length in our best of 2016 so far. So I don't need to go too much into it. But Wait. Another. Not David Eggers. David Eggers. Oh, David Eggers as opposed Different to person. Dave Eggers, yes. the That's author. his name, right? Okay. Yes, it is David Eggers. Yeah, all David I'm thinking Eggers. of is Dave Eggers. Surprise! <laughs> wrote the circle. And... I know, because I have that moment every time that I read David Eggers' name, and then I remember, okay. yeah. Anyway, continue. continue. Sorry. <laughs> Another one that's just a bold, like, assured, confident vision yeah. uh, debut. He was a, or is it Robert Eggers? That's what it is. It's Robert Eggers. Okay. I just hear Eggers and I think yeah, Dave Eggers. Dave, yeah, that's probably why I yeah. <laughs> thought that too. <laughs> Poor Robert. Didn't write we it down. apologize. Either way. Friend dun, dun, dun. of the pod. It doesn't <laughs> really <laughs> matter. The witch is what matters. The witch is what matters. that's what you're looking for. And she's behind me, so and I have to say good cue. things. Um, and I do want to live deliciously. Uh, so, <laughs> no, but he was a production designer and you can really tell, like, the just the visuals mm-hmm. of the film are so... One of my favorite things is, and this is more recent trend of like last decade is like period films that are trying to be realistic indies like yeah that they're trying to be that gritty realism but not in present day and it really does that in just its world building and its realism in those olden times i love it its slow build is so so good yeah it's so good and so unsettling but in ways that are so satisfying and it provokes a response it's thought-provoking just in its depictions and what it maybe says, and it leaves a lot up to interpretation. Yeah, for sure. What it's saying about religion and women and womanhood. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things, um, Anthony Lane of The New Yorker uh, said that it feels at once sticky with tangible detail and numinous with suggestion. Ooh, and yeah. that's really just... Like, because it's so detailed and so specific, but also so open to ways you can interpret it. Because it, I, I, that's with a lot of things. Like, right. the more specific it is, you can, like, relate to how... Right. Um, or just how, generally, how relatable it is. Um, and it's like a fable or, like, a Grimm's fairy tale. It does feel like a ages. lost Grimm's fairy tale that's... 
And it stuck with me. That was my fave of 2016 so far. It was. At our, our halfway point. Yeah. Yeah, that's my number four. I, I loved The Witch, and it was not anywhere on any of my lists. Again, another great movie that just didn't make it. But the one thing I think maybe I liked more than anything else, or that was refreshing, if you can call it that, is that I feel like my previous exposure to that era in American life was in like elementary school with, you know, pilgrim cut out paper hats <laughs> and high school with the crucible and several you know of the great american short stories that are set during that time and then there's like this dearth of good art it seems like for me at least like past that because it was so repressed i don't know there's there aren't they didn't prove to me and maybe i just haven't seen them but there aren't enough well-made movies or any movies about that time period that are imaginative and stylized. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's also just fascinating because... Because it's such an interesting time. It is, but it's also a reminder of how much American culture is rooted in Christian fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, even a movie that is a horror film that takes place, what, in the, like, 1600s? Right. Is is resonant today yeah in its own sort of way and if that's the case I choose Black Phillip I would love to live deliciously <laughs> like so. I choose that coven of witches <laughs> let me in that's my number four excellent my number four is Hunt for the Wilder People uh-huh. oh. um, a good little Kiwi film by one of my my new favorite directors Taika Waititi um <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows was like my number 12 last year. Um, a little uh, documentary spoof on vampires living mm-hmm, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has a very specific voice. And he's taking on what is actually like a, a novel. It's not like a novel. It's, it is a <laughs> novel. Um, that I don't really know, but I guess is really popular in New Zealand and in Australia. And it's the story of a boy who's in the foster system who gets sent to live with this woman and her husband sort of out in the New Zealand bush. Um, and then after, not really a spoiler alert, it happens within the first 10 minutes and you can sort of guess from the trailer, the woman who is very kind and maternal to this boy uh, dies and the boy and Sam Neill, who is the husband, the uncle figure, end up going for on the run in the New Zealand bush. Um, it's incredibly funny. Yeah. The, just the opening montage of there's this woman named, um, what did I say? Paula. Paula, mm-hmm. who is the like child protective services woman, but <laughs> is insane where she's explaining. I'm Sarah Connor. You're, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it You're is. You're the Terminator. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I'm the Terminator. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Where she is explaining why Ricky, the boy, is such a bad child. And it includes, like, kicking things. Kicking, biting, running, yeah. cursing. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's, like, a hilarious montage. And um, it, so it's just very, very funny, which I appreciate. But it's also touching, but never in ways that feel too saccharine. It deals with sort of real emotion. 
in a way though that never feels like it's being exploitative or trying to get a response and I think that that is the genius and talent of Taika Waititi which is that he has such a dry sense of humor and he is such a good visual comedian Mm -hmm. the movie involves a lot of great camera jokes like visual setups as well as just a super clever dialogue and great comedic performances well not even comedic just great performances um and it also has a nice little bit because the boy ricky is maori um and at one point he meets a maori family and Taika Waititi is half Maori and it just has this nice like component of a bigger political implications of what New Zealand life is like without again being too overt or hammering you over the head with it it's just sort of implicit in the storytelling which adds a whole other depth about our communities and who we feel we belong with and when we other the other you know other people and all that stuff I just really enjoyed it it's lovely it's fun it makes me feel good in a year when not a lot makes me feel good mm-hmm. it was so warm like i just it was comforting and it's humor and it's it heart was. and it feels nostalgic in some ways it reminds me of movies that i loved when i was a kid mm, yeah but in a way that i can embrace now too and its sense of humor is a little bit more attuned when i think of those type of movies that i loved as a kid if i went back and watched them i would probably be like oh this is cheesy but his sense of humor is so dry that it appeals to me now the 30-year-old version of me versus the 10-year-old version of me. Um, so yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People is my number four. All right. Loved it. Yeah, it was warm, but it was also sarcastic and dry and like yeah. not... Yeah. Even the ending, even the ending with... I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but the ending isn't in a Disney movie... It would have ended one way, and in this film world, it ended in a more realistic way, mm-hmm. as far as where the characters sort of end up and their relationships, which I appreciated. Totes. Great. Is that uh, your new this Zealand? Is that your kiwi? <laughs> I'm Slash a, the sing street? I'm a kiwi. <laughs> Irish. Uh, the what's fruit. your number four? I'm a fruit. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> number four, am I on number four? You are. Yeah. <laughs> My number four, wait for it, Arrival. Ooh. Ooh. Um, this is one that I wasn't quite sure of. I knew that I was an emotional shell of a human being after watching it. I knew I was emotionally wrecked, so I knew it affected me. But I wasn't sure where it would end up, if it would even make my top 10. I had my reservations about it, you know, thinking back on it, picking it apart. And I think a lot of that has to do with it being a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. And I have very specific desires about what I want my sci-fi to be. And a lot of that has to do with you know, it has to be rooted in some scientific realism, be it, you know, observed science or theoretical science, and then tell the story through, you know, real characters and their emotions. Yeah. So minimal fantasy, 
this is getting boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too scientific, I feel asleep. <laughs> basically, I, I just... There's there's a bit of magic to it that I don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to. That I don't want to. Mm-hmm. That I realize I don't need to. Yep. And I think it's similar in some ways to the movie Contagion, which a few years ago I watched and thought, oh, this is so disappointing. And then I watched it again, and it it's phenomenal and it was you know easily on my top 10 and i think now that i understand myself a little bit more i knew to put this in my top 10 sooner than i knew for contagion because it may not be accessible in the same way that i might want it to be but it i need to honor the emotional impact it had Mm -hmm. and i thought the way that it approached time was brave yeah um and successful also you know linguistics shout out to linguistics jam it's my jam and amy any movie that makes me love amy adams like her is the only other one that i've loved amy the only other movie i've loved amy adams in is her i've never seen junebug is that her? Um, yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. So I I know that she's supposedly great in that. She is. But her and Arrival are your top two. Yeah. Yes. She's so good. I really want to. Totally. I, I need to. Re- I need to watch that movie again. I don't know why it hasn't stuck with me. Like I like it. I don't know why it hasn't stuck with me, which is weird because it's it's everything that I should like. It's even a the genre or. Is that part of the? Well, it might. You know what? It might be kind of the like genre. We, sci-fi, the two of us are more predisposed to liking sci-fi. Yes, for sure. I guess maybe that's maybe that's what it is that's sort of holding me back from it because I definitely like the fact that it's female again, and I like the movie, so I don't mean this right. to say that I don't. But like, it should be a movie that should be in my top five because it's like a female-led film. It's very much like it's celebrating a woman who is the best in her field. Mm-hmm linguistics which i also agree the importance of language and how it changes and listening and how that can affect the whole world Mm -hmm. and like there are so many things and the like the twist i think part of the problem too is that i figured out very early on or predicted what the twist was going to be Mm -hmm. so i think when the emotional impact was supposed to happen i was sort of like well yeah i knew it was going there and i was past that and so i'm wondering if that impacted what that final because i i also like intellectually find the choice that the character makes very moving but for whatever reason i didn't respond to the movie in that way but i don't know it might have been it might have just been whatever mood i was in it might have been that i margarita and a half beforehand when they, <laughs> yeah <laughs> might have been because science fiction i tend to disconnect from a little bit emotionally for whatever reason that maybe i i didn't respond as passionately as i would like to but so i i, I would just yeah. say that i'd like to watch it again because hearing you talk about it i'm like right why don't i love this movie why do i only like it i think another element that i didn't realize is that part of the let the initial letdown i wouldn't call it a letdown because i love the movie but a little bit of a letdown was that it was so it was intimate in the sense that it focused pretty particularly on this one her experience her experience 
and this as the same with contagion like part of me when i watch these kinds of you want essentially that, like, apocalyptic Rosie. movies yeah right. i want okay. the drama of world destruction it's like 2012 <laughs> but then you know the movie 2012 doesn't end up being as good because it's just not as good so well, I assume that Independence like, Day Resurgence is going to be your, like, number one. That's yeah, what I'm well, worried is all of our number ones. <laughs> right. I mean, you're talking about Arrival, but obviously Independence Day Resurgence is coming yes. in your list. Yeah. Yes. Naturally. Okay. <laughs> anyway, also, um, this director is one of my favorites. I like totally. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. I'm just on board, oui. and I love the diversity of the movies he's made, in terms of genre, yeah. at least. Yeah, and then he, his last two have been all about female-led films, so mm-hmm. you know that I'm on board for that, Denis. And the people he employs, the craftsmen. Bradford, Bradford Young. Young and his cinematography on this, totally. Um, that was your number four. Are we... It's me. It's you. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, no, I already went no. with my number four, which was Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, and I did my... I started. I, I did my number four with The Witch. So you're number three. So oh. you're number three. You're bronze. <laughs> Bronze, we're at bronze. Very, this triumph is triumphing over my brain. She my is a triumph. My number three is by far, despite what the critics and the Oscars would tell you, the best musical of the year. My number three film is Sing Street. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already talked about it some, and we talked about it in our best of the year. I think it was my number one when we did the best of the year so far in, in at the end of July. Uh, I love this movie it is joy it is about what musicals should be which is using music to further explore characters psyches and emotional states um and also just the joy of music and the escape that it can provide for people who are otherwise stuck i think that's what i found particularly moving about this one is for people who are otherwise stuck in their situation that music can provide um an outlet into a greater part of the world and to a connection to the bigger world at hand and to themselves yeah. and to each other. It's a different language to communicate in, to bond through. Um, and I also just love, you know, Nathan, you already touched on it and I didn't mention it then only because I knew it was coming up as my number three. I think one of the magical things about John Carney and all three of his films now, but I'm also thinking about the scene um, in Once with Falling Slowly is that the songs that the characters write are not complex musically because that's not the point. The point is the creation. And in both cases, it's this moment of, you know, and once it's two people just fiddling around in the music store. So the song is relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this, like, none of the chord progressions are particularly hard. None of the music is particularly challenging, but it's about the creation of something in the moment of writing from where they are, whether it's like falling in love or the difficulty of the schoolmaster. Like, it all feels very personal right. and real. And, like, the influences of clearly, like, they were just listening to a Duran Duran record, so, so then they make a pretty derivative Duran Duran record. Exactly. Like, but yeah, it's so good. But it's the, still so good. The evolution, right, and how music can help form your identity. And, and how you're so influenced at that age. Yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. everything about it is, is just so lovely and... And, you know, speaking not to compare it too much to La La Land, because one movie doesn't need to be successful for another movie to be shit or vice versa. <laughs> like, I, I don't mean to say it in that way, but the characters are so much more fully fleshed out. Like, I understand 
the conflict of the main character and the complications with his family life so much more. And even the female character is much more fleshed out as opposed to just an aspiring actress who's that's basically her only quality besides being super charming because it's a super charming actress playing her. Right. Like you understand where her past is and how she feels lost in the world and how she is hoping that the one thing she's maybe ever been praised for, which is her looks, is like her ticket out of this existence. Like everything like that is just so much more fully formed and well-rounded. And, and it's also just freaking uplifting and even the end is sort of ambiguous which I appreciate Mm -hmm. and I because of how joyful the rest of the movie (laughs) made me feel I decided that the ambiguous ending was ultimately like hopeful and triumphant you could interpret it in many other ways which I appreciate I appreciate that it gives you this moment to put whatever you want on it and what I needed to put on it at that time and probably every time I will watch this movie is joy because absolutely that's what it brought me and I also listen to this soundtrack all the freaking time and I can't believe not one song was nominated for best song I know but that's neither here nor there anyways Nathan what is your number three bronze Mm mm-hmm um number three yes (laughs) (laughs) my number three is other people uh huh Molly Shannon, Jesse Plemons, June Squibb. <laughs> what is it? It's a movie called Other People. Briefly, let our <laughs> listeners know. This wasn't a runaway box office success. This was the biggest hit of the year. Um, so I think other it's crossed the billion dollar mark. <laughs> billion. Yes. Other People is a, in some ways, like typical. Indie dramedy, like cancer dramedy, Sundance cancer, cancer dramedy. dramedy. It's like yeah. the big yeah. C of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, with you know the main character is a man who's turning thirty, mm-hmm. uh, who is gay and whose mother has cancer and who has moved to New York City, and so far everything that I've mentioned is exactly my life, and. He's moved from New York City, not the mother with cancer. Yes. Um, and so, like, this is an... I feel like this is my edge of 17. Yeah, no, like, for sure. This is your deeply so, personal... So personal, and... I don't know. I mean, parts of me want to defend it on its merits objectively, and parts of me don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, like, it, its authenticity is what I really respect bond to especially because it reminds me of my life but i feel like it's authentic mm-hmm. um i feel like it is quirky in the way that like a diablo cody screenplay is quirky <laughs> right. but it has yeah. that sunday it comedy. rings true yeah. in a way that like i feel like it's getting at real universal truths better yeah, yeah. and um Probably particularly because the screenwriter, this was like loosely based on his own life experiences. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But I think like, yeah, there are all these like quirky details, but they, they ring true. And so, I don't know. I, it's, it's beautiful. I've never been like the last time I remember being so overcome <laughs> afterwards was, 
uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild, and definitely this was even worse. Um, well, I'm guessing you have a little bit more uh, in common right. with this film. Than Hush Puppy? <laughs> than Hush Puppy. I, I mean, my life has basically been Hush Puppies. <laughs> Living but, on the bayou. You know. um, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't say anything more. It's just beautiful and... And everyone should see it, but sure. it's also like so personal. I don't care if anyone else likes it. It was just so important to me. Yeah, even fuck the personal. This is my number eleven. It just missed my. I think it's really great. I mean, it does have that gloss of like it's a Sundance dramedy. Yeah. And, like it's Chris Kelly, the writer director. Yes, it's like based on his personal experiences in his life and he's right now a head writer at SNL and it has that you know Molly Shannon and like more general humor or like uh, broad I guess strokes Um, it's still so specific and we watch a lot of gay cinema but I've never seen and it was especially surprising because this feels kind of mainstream even though it is an indie gay relationships portrayed as well as they are in this film. Right. And it's not just like relationship, relationship. Like I do love, I mean, Jesse Plemons, I think is fantastic in the movie. Yeah. Um, but he, his ex is played by Zach Woods of like the office fan, like lots of yeah, like yeah. more Ghostbuster. broad, Ghostbuster shirt, more broad, like supporting roles. Um, he's great. And they have like a really awkward, real sex scene, but also, and I'm going to forget the actor's name, but we've seen him in lots of things. He plays one of his good friends, friends, right? Like best yeah. friends from his same hometown. They have such a real honest relationship that's not based on like they dated once or it's just they, they're they two normal dudes who happen to be gay who go to like a gay bar in their town and like right. just the way they interact and relate. It's What you mean two gay guys can be friends the same way what? like two heterosexual people can be when friends? When Harry met Sally. <laughs> my favorite. Awful. But yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it. And yeah. again, it's, it's like the specificity makes it all relatable. The other thing I really want to get in there is the twink lure. <laughs> Of a <laughs> JJ oh, the boy? Made, a little boy. Or, I don't know. I mean, it is just so joyful. Yeah. This is on Netflix, yeah? Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's streaming. Yeah. So this is the the younger I guess younger adopted I mean, whatever, younger brother of the the character you were just mentioning. Yes, the yeah, the, the best um, friend, yeah. It's just flamboyant is not even sufficient <laughs> to cover. Right, it's over the top, but again, it's not like manipulating. It's over the top, the... but it's authentic. Like yeah. somehow, like there yeah. are shades these of gay like that ridiculous exist in this movie. details That's not a gay movie. are yeah. so authentic. Yeah, and no, I teach students like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because this is like what life is. Like yeah. you become, you know. So maybe this is not like a normal, normal, quote unquote, way to act. And, like, maybe it's not the, mo- the like, healthiest way to navigate the world, maybe. But it's real. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I only cool. recently, I'll say it was on my long list. I couldn't get it on my top 20. But I think that part of that is just that it's so recent and I was so oversaturated that it took, like, a I am not your Negro <laughs> to, like, get into my, get into my list. Um, but I... I, I just hearing you speak about it, Nathan, just makes me think, and we'll talk about it, you know, probably more 
as the list goes on or like the fact that this year I have an edge of 17 and a handmaiden and a Zootopia and like all of these things, like just how important having diverse storytellers is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and having these different voices and things that you can connect to and, and realizing my own privilege, even as a woman where like there have been stories since I have been children that since I was a child, since I have been children, <laughs> this triumph is good. Yeah, this drink is very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's strong. <laughs> yeah, we're drunk. Um, <laughs> drunk. No, but, you know, since I was a child, there have been stories that I can connect to on a deeply personal level in a way that it feels like me. Even in a way, like, I was trying to explain to my boyfriend the other day how important Beauty and the Beast was to me as a child. <laughs> because, I mean, again, working on a more simplistic level that I was, like eight at the time of that movie, seven, whatever, mm. that she was brunette, <laughs> but that she liked to read and yep. that the library was the most exciting thing. And that's where I was as a child. And, you know, when you see that, that's important. And, and just going back to like, I'm not your Negro. The fact that like I had the benefit as a heterosexual white woman to see my story on screen, not as much as, straight white men but still some and I think that you know the fact that this movie exists is important like it's important for gay filmmakers to have voices that don't exist strictly as a gay story gay cinema offshoot little niche niche subset of films it deserves to be a part of a film that everybody sees it deserves to be a story that everybody can hear so that people you know gay 17-year-olds in Peoria can see their story on screen. And uh, anyway, so it just makes me excited that this film, I know it still was an independent film, but it got a little bit more exposure. You know, Molly Shannon is nominated. Is Jesse Plemons too? He is too. Yeah, for Independent Spirit Awards. Like, it it became a film that didn't exist just as a part of queer cinema. Right. That mainstream cinema didn't see at all. It exists more in the norm and I think there's another film that's coming up that's even more so and it's, on all of our lists and I would say related to that it's distinct from you know the token characters like yeah the black friend in Eat Pray Love or the gay friend in My Best Friends or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. you know like which is what my experience was growing up yes as a, the you know the only other experience was like the super indie you know late at night on IFC channel. Right. Or like I remember Watch when we talked about... Watch it and switch the channel when your mom comes down the yeah. stairs. Yeah. Or like uh, I remember when we talked that. about Pride where it was like, wasn't about just like everybody dying of AIDS. Yeah, Which is like yeah. the, the gay right. moral, male right. experience. Like the same way like... the gay story. The black right. experience, if they're actually the leads of the films, they're like slaves or... Maids. Maids yeah. or, Maids. you know, right. whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyways, it's important is what I meant It also to say had one of my yeah. favorite opening yeah. scenes, which just totally yes. set the tone yes. where, I mean, it's no spoiler that the mother dies, the Molly Shannon character dies, and the opening yeah. scene is she's passed on, on the bed at the family home, and they're all, like, grieving over it. Like, it starts, I think, in black, and you just hear the sobs of them crying over yeah. their mother who's just passed, and the phone rings, they don't go to answer it, and it's a message from like a long lost house friend like a facebook friend basically yeah who's like oh i heard you were sick i'm so sorry 
give me a call. It's been so long. And it's just so awkward. And yeah. there's that humor there. It's yeah, similar to lots of things where you... Or like Manchester by the Sea. Right, where there's, yeah, the, there's, there's the humor and the tragedy. Humor, yeah. Right, yeah, absolutely. Also, Molly Shannon is great. really spectacular. Great, great, great. Really spectacular. Great ensemble. Yeah. Good call. That was your bronze. That was his And bronze. you did bronze. So did it's bronze. my bronze. It's my number three. <laughs> Of the year, 2016, uh, Nathan just discussed it earlier. It's Arrival, the mm. Denis Villeneuve. Oh, I figured. I'm shocked. Are you? I oh, think it would be I've been shocked by so many of yours. This is really? great. Yeah. Oh, no, this movie gutted me. It. I mean, I, I've, similar to you, and this is how we connect. Did we post? I don't think we ever posted our 2001 I mean, it's the only way we connect. Intelligent sci-fi gets Quantum me Quantum mechanics, going. that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's our bedroom. Contact talk. was basically your <laughs> contact was play. contact was for contact. And I don't really well. like contact. See, this is oh, our divide. Oh, no. This is our divide. Well, I also hate Matthew okay, McConaughey, well, but that's a whole nother. We don't time. need to. This is not the contact podcast. I, I, I hate to, I hate Matthew McConaughey too, but right. contact is. I didn't mean to hijack. Continue. Golden. <laughs> continue. Anyway. Oh goodness. Anyhow, this is not 1987. This is. 2016. Amen. <laughs> I just love that to arrival, it's just prioritizing knowledge and mm-hmm. thinking and empathy and process. And Again, this makes me mad I didn't like put it higher. That's list, that's yeah. what's first. And like the yeah. CG I was just just on my commute home today listening to a podcast with uh, an interview with Denis Villeneuve and like they really wanted to do the heptapods as like practical like underwater puppet effects, but you know that was too expensive or too, too logistically right. Challenging, impossible. Like yeah. similar anatomy, but correct, but okay. in not CGI. But yeah. it was cheaper to do CGI, which yeah. I think the CGI is wonderful. It's fantastic it effects that it's are well so done. effective. Um, but that that's not the focus. It's it's a sci-fi film where the focus is not action or no. special effects. Amy fucking Adams. It's one of my She's top great. three performances of hers, along with June Blug. June Blug. June Bug. I love June Blood. Uh, June Bug. That's when you have um, your menses for all of June. Yep, all of June. The June Bloods. Oh, they happen every Isn't June. That like the third sign of the apocalypse. I was just gonna say it's one of the signs of the apocalypse. Uh, I've clearly had too much of this triumph. I know. Ooh, I'm gone. But yeah, Arrival just really it it floored me um, emotionally, yeah. and I wasn't. I mean, I guess reviews had said it was emotional. Yeah. But just the twist. I mean, I I use the word twist loosely. It's not like yeah, an M. Night no, Shyamalan yeah. film where there's like, oh, pulled the rug out from under you, but just it works so well on an sh- intellectual it's more of a level. It's than a twist. Right. Like, yeah, you yeah, look yeah, at everything differently. For, for me, like, there were lots of reviews that thought those, like, leaps in logic didn't work for them. I think they just missed it and they didn't get it. But yeah. even still, it's one of those things where the emotional arc works so well and that works well enough that it doesn't matter. It works so well oh, for me. I really, I really need to watch. It's one of those things, like my, my dad, uh, who I get my love of films from him, he'll occasionally be like, nope, this part was unrealistic or I don't buy this and that's what will like be his like chink into not loving something. Right. And for me, if the emotional arc works, I can forgive things like that and yeah. I just totally did with this film and it's... I mean, sure, if you, like, parsed out the science of it, maybe some of it doesn't work. No, but for me, it worked no, well enough. I don't it, buy that because it's right, all theoretical. It's all right. Theor- no, it's, I do, too. I, I, think, not, I think it worked I just also, fine. It's not, like, hard science. I also think the bigger point is that 
it's not about the science working out. It's it's not in that way. It's about the bigger concept that this brings. You know what I mean? It's almost yes. like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh, in this way. Absolutely. Is that the real purpose of the story is to reveal a bigger truth about the choices we make personally. As humans. As yeah. humans, both on a personal scale, which is the Amy Adams story, and then on a global scale, which right. is that in a time of so much problems and constant like othering of other cultures and priorities that at the same point, at a certain point, we are all human and want the same thing. Absolutely. Like which it. is sort of what... So the film works on both scales, both a very, very intimate and then the larger global Right, like it's sci-fi and like to pull you human. in is so macro and then yeah. the emotional impact of it is so micro that it yeah. affects you as if it's macro. I, ugh. The score is fan-fucking-tastic. I mean, the use yeah. of the Max Richter music is amazing, but just the Johan Johansson score is really, yeah. really great. The cinematography is so good. Good for you, Bradford Young, and your first yeah. Oscar nomination. You so deserved it. The sound, the visual effects, it's all expertly calibrated. I love that you brought up Eternal Sunshine, which I think is a sci-fi film, even though lots oh, of people wouldn't much. consider yeah, it a sci-fi yeah, yeah. film. But one of my all-time, I mean, I would just start crying right now, favorite things in all of cinema history is just Kate Winslet's okay like they know at the end like yep. it's not going to work out yep. but it's worth it to 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 experience, to experience and explore love. that relationship and ex- yeah to to learn and know love yeah it's like okay let's do it and that amy adams makes the decision she makes at the end it ah it just moves me so profoundly i really and then, and the fact that it's still a genre film it makes me just appreciate it yeah. all the more i really Oof. For me, it's like it's worth it to live even though you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, or even more painfully, knowing someone else is going to die and you're going to have to continue to live. Right. Which in a lot of ways is more painful. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh, I now I'm mad it's one on my list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This is what happened. But it's also, I know lots of people didn't react the same way. Like, yeah. it clearly is not affecting everyone in the same way, but. I'm so glad that it affected me. That's my bronze. Anyway. Let's get to our silver medals. Yes. yes. You're number two. Oh, I'm so of excited. Of the year. Um, so my number two is called Camera Person. And oh, this is a documentary. Um, I'm just thrilled about this movie. It's a, it's a memoir, self-described memoir. Um piecing together sort of extra footage from various documentaries. I, I think at least two dozen documentaries. And these are, you know... She's like a... Well, no, a like, like Citizen yeah. Four and, you know, many others. But um, Kristen Johnson, mm-hmm. or Kirsten Johnson? Kristen Johnson. Kristen. Um, yeah, who Kirsten bu- Johnson is from Third Heart. <laughs> Kristen Johnson, who, by the it's way, um, this is... I'm only mentioning it now because I don't want to forget. She co-parents a couple of children with Ira Sachs and his partner. Oh. Which is just what? interesting to me. Yeah. That's fascinating. very fascinating. Yeah. I want a movie about that. Um, yeah. That's basically like, our story. Of the not three of the us most important thing about her, but Let's interesting. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this movie, um, I feel like it was... 
tailor-made for me. I mean, obviously, everything revolves around me in the world. Uh, <laughs> in your world, of course. But That's fair. No, I think it's like, it's, it's catnip to abstract dreamers who just sit around and think about existence and, you know, the craziness that is life and, you know, mm-hmm. what could be and what is and how we never will know and the arrogance of human beings and um so there's all of that built into it and then you know it's all about observation and you know she being a camera person for documentary films um you know she's ostensibly objective about everything but obviously not completely objective because you can't be right so it's about the injection of you know the human eye and the human hand into the documentary and what is nonfiction and what is fiction and you know all these questions that you know we've probably encountered in some way before but um addressed in a more lyrical way and Mm -hmm. It's not even that the images themselves are the most breathtaking or affecting because, you know, the best sort of footage that she would have shot would have made it into the various films. And this is all the outtakes. Um, But the emotion behind it and the, you know, it's just something you want to let wash over you. It's such a feat of editing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's clearly hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of hours of footage that she shot over her 25-plus yeah. year career on working on various documentaries that to piece it together into something that makes sense emotionally and it's also still personal. I mean, some of it is personal footage of her yeah. family. Um but yeah, it's it's very affecting. Yeah. It's similar to like boyhood. I mean, it's not something you're going to see all that often. It's unique. Right. Yeah. It's clearly a lot of love and dedication has gone into it and to edit it into something that is one singular work of art. It it's telling just about I mean, she has to be passive as a as a cinematographer for other people's films right. but then some of the footage she chooses just hearing her breath or her words behind the camera says so much about her observations and then in turn our observations right. on life and that there's such a diverse range of stories that she's shot for right it's it's, it's a very interesting film and there's really no objectivity no, it's like right. so interdisciplinary. Interdis- like anyone with any interest could find something interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah. in this movie because it's really a collage of life and it raises observation to an art and a religion. And, and I love too because it's beautiful. just editing other people's footage. There's really, excuse me, not much score. <laughs> As I burp my the triumph. triumph. <laughs> yeah, there's there's but not the much score, score that there is is very deliberate and obvious right. and, and like overpowering because it's making a point. But yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's mostly just assembling really just random footage to create 
one singular work of art that is unlike anything else. Yeah. yeah. Sounds really like, like you wish you would have had it on your top ten. Uh, no, it didn't, which, it didn't move me like, like, like you did. But What is your number two? My number two, my silver medal, is a film that has already come up on both of your lists. It is Sing, Sing Street. Street. Yes. Which... Drive it like you stole it. <laughs> is my scene of the year, legitimately. No, it's Drive a it like terrific. you stole it is <laughs> absolutely... So we, Nathan and I rewatched it last night. Not just in preparation for our list, but I wanted I to rewatch it, it <laughs> for a while because... I think, I think it probably plays into it, the expectations of it. Like, so John Carney, Once was my favorite film of 2007. I think it's fantastic. I was a little disappointed by Begin Again, but just his, right. his, ah, just the heart and using music, which like I said, for American Honey, yeah, which is my number eight or whatever, music will always be my way into Me something, too. into film or whatever it is. Like I, yes, yes, please. And so there's, uh, I'm not being articulate at all because I cares? can't. Who cares? It is just, like, also, this is not the, one of the best films of the year. It's not, but I just love it. It makes me yeah. so ecstatic. Oh, it is. Which I think is. And I, you it know, and I, I hate that term actually and of best film because there are different things to adjudicate anything on. And sure. I think that so often critics who we read a ton of and I appreciate the critical film community. But it gets so caught up on what has prestige or what has like the best technique or what have the. But when you think about films that last, so even for example, a movie that I disagree with, but the When Harry Met Sally's of the world, hey those now. are the those are the films that for whatever reason resonate with people, and so stand the test. Thirty time. years later, people still remember, and I think so. I think that just the the criteria that we have to say best is large and encompasses a lot of things and it's a deeply personal thing as a reaction to all art is. Art is requires a personal response. There's no Absolutely. objective. So anyways, I just object to you saying that it's not one of the best films of the year because it appeared on all, to- Fair on enough. all top yeah. 10s. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And it's your it second. Is. It's it, my third. It is my like, number two. Like, it's my should... number 10 and I think it it's much better than 10 if you were to like measured right yeah should if, my number to the extent you can do it objectively when should, i think of things i'm gonna rewatch the shit out of oh this is one of them sing yeah. street is one should of them. my number one be unable to fulfill their duties the best of the year <laughs> sing street will take the crown should there be a nude <laughs> picture, picture scandal then boom sing street it is I mean, um, we can only hope there will be a nude picture scandal of oh yeah well sure well right. well, well we'll some parts um but yeah, I there's a lot of talk yeah, about uh, within this film of music or stuff that's happy sad, and yes. that totally describes John Carney and Once yes. and Begin Again and this this whole film. But uh, we re- Nathan and I rewatched it last night, and I I don't know if you heard me yet, but I was openly weeping throughout almost oh. the entire thing. Oh, I heard. Oh, like convulsing on the couch, and I was like, I'm I'm surprised he hasn't looked over at me because I'm just. <laughs> Weeping, he was and weeping, and it, I, no, a lot of it is like, music. But like, won't he look? <laughs> Probably. I was doing it just just so you would watch me cry. But "Drive It Like You Stole It," which should have been nominated for original yeah. song, is a great, great song and a great music video. If you just are watching it yeah. on YouTube, but it's even better in context of the film and just this is what cinema is all about. Like yeah. the whole film is so grounded in realism, which I have lots of notes here about, like how it's 
themes of like hopes and dreams and getting the girl are so much better than fucking La La Land. I was going to say, could you talk about that this is maybe a film about a film for dreamers? Because it's 100% right. a that film about dreamers. Is. Fuck you, Which La La Land. Which it's totally anyway. different. Like La La Land is a, yes. it's like where they burst into Industry song and that's a different and, music where yes. like this is clearly based on like yeah, people La La making is music. stupid and this is great. It should burn in hell on all of its 14 <laughs> nominations and Sing Street Zero. Uh, but I still, I think The Drive It Like You Stole It is my absolute favorite scene of the year just it's it's where the film really and it's it is kind of manipulative but it it transcends what it's it's storytelling construct is and it becomes that filmic uh just magic realism yeah where like he's envisioning the music video that he wants in his head and it's this nostalgic mood of like america americana back to the future prom film um doo-wop dancing his parents are still together and they're dancing his brother who he idolizes and looks up to comes in and kicks out the no good boyfriend or on and off again boyfriend of his love interest who comes in and the crowd parts and she comes down and oh my i mean if you just listen to the song on its own it's not a song that would move you but in the context of the film oh my i i shed so many goddamn tears last night yeah so Ah, uh, this movie moves me so much, and the the score has, and the songs have so much to do with it. I also it's... love we haven't even talked about it. I love the fact that the brother relationship is so strong Absolutely. between he, the main character and his older brother, who I really like. That Jack, Jack Rayner, yes, I love him. Um, and which is a character that's a little underwritten or underdeveloped, but still, it's perfect for the film. It's and that so and that actor brings it to life. Absolutely, with so much charisma. Like I'm really excited to see what Jack Rayner does because it's really really great um but that relationship is so strong that then speaking of like a post you know post final scene yes yes card, I was just going says, there when it says for brothers everywhere for brothers everywhere i mean lost it both times in the i do not and have I a brother it, i've got a couple brothers in law, but just I'm lost a, it. i am a girl with a sister and when that thing comes up because the relationship is so clearly defined and the fact that his brother gave him this love of music and just the whole relationship when that comes up, tears, sobbing, amazing. Which I was already crying. And there's an Adam Levine, fucking Adam Levine song playing over the end of the credits. I didn't even that. Oh, yes, yes. And then I'm still moved. Move, yeah. move, move to tears. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people... D- one of the main criticisms of the film is the end, which a little bit the CGI of like they're in the boat and whatever. Sure, but it's a it's but a low budget it's, film. It's a but it again it's a bold statement. It's yep. it's bold. It's going for it, and god damn do I appreciate it. You're a musical. You're owning it. You're going yep. for it, and oh, it moved me. Yep, agreed. That's my number two, my silver medal. Great. You're Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> now what's oh. your Tanya Harding? That's Oksana Bayul, bitch. But we're we're to Elizabeth. No, Nancy I'm Kerrigan. saying what's your Tanya Harding? You're like Tanya crash Harding and burn. Like fourteen. Exactly. <laughs> oh. What's your crash and burn? I'm kidding. Well, Go my ahead. number fourteen is Captain Fantastic. If we're going. Oh but, no, that's yeah. much classier than Tanya Harding. Um, my <laughs> speaking of Tanya Harding, no, not at all, not at all connected. <clears throat> number two, you're wrong. Um, you're my silver medal is 20th Century Women. Which, if I said Edge of Seventeen is the most personal, which I still think it is because in a lot of ways it's, you know, it's contemporary. I can relate to the feelings of that 17-year-old. But 20th Century Women encompass to me what it means to be a woman, 
um, the many different women I have met in my life of vast different experiences, the humanity, the depth, the complexity of each character, and then also the male characters in their lives um, are really amazing. I was so transported by this film in a way that I, I feel bad because I feel like my number one and number two, I had such a personal response to that I'm not sure I can articulate it well, especially with a couple triumphs under my belt. <laughs> um, I will just say that 20th Century Women is, my, if Manchester by the Sea is your favorite screenplay, 20th Century Women is my favorite screenplay of the year. I'm still... Oh, I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite. I, I do just objectively think it's the best. But and I would say yes. 20th Century Women. Like, Fair. I... Totally. I I'm amazed that Mike Mickle, Mike Mickles, Michael Mill, Mike, Mike Mills, Mills. Dave Eggers. Yes, <laughs> I'm amazed that Mike Mills was able to write a script this astute, this complex, this open-ended, layered. this layered, this enigmatic. Um, Annette Benning for me. I mean, I know we're drinking the triumph, and Viola is incredible, but for me, the most personal and my favorite performance of the year is Annette Benning in this film. And it's because in no at no time do I feel like I'm watching an actress perform something. I'm watching a full-fledged woman appear on screen. And the reason she's a full-fledged woman is because she is never certain of who she is. Mm-hmm. And she's at once enigmatic, but not enigmatic for the purposes of hiding who she is from the audience but because she is unclear about who she is in the changing world around her and in her evolving role as a mother to a son who is getting older and and it's just really moving in a way that I don't know that I've ever seen a female character like that on screen before Um, and I didn't know how much it would mean to me to see a character like that on screen before uh, especially the scene where the boy reads the passage yes. from the book. Oh my god, oh my god. <sighs> Which, in a lesser film, that would have been read, and it would have been like, yes, that sums up this character, basically about how older women lose their usefulness once they age, and blah, blah, blah. And her response is, you think you read that in a book and you understand me? And it's just so significant, and it was a turn that I wasn't expecting that scene to take. Mm-hmm. Despite the rest of the film proving to but me that, that it would, but that she does also kind of resonate with it, but doesn't. No, she know does. It and, yeah. She sees. She sees how he would think that, but that's also. It's just that like you can never pinpoint a person in that way, yep. and particularly women. Particularly um, a mother. Particularly a mother. mother. It's fascinating. And the scene where she talks to Greta Gerwig and talks about being jealous of the fact that she gets to see her son out in the world just as a person in a way that she never will in a way that makes me think of my own mother and my own relationship with my mother that my mother is never going to get to really experience me the way you guys experience me because that's just not what happens when you're a parent and it's just profound and Greta Gerwig's character is so um I mean, all three female characters and male characters. I love um, Billy Crudup and I love the, yes. s- the son in it. I'm forgetting the actor's name right now. Lucas Jade Zuman or something yeah, like that? Something yeah, something like that. Um, but speaking of, again, the Lucas Hedges scene, the other scene for me, this one of the other scenes this year that resonated for me is the scene where Greta Gerwig discovers that she's cancer-free. Um, 
but that it is unlikely that she will be able to have children. And it's not necessarily a thing that you think the character has even considered before because she's fairly young. It's probably Mm -hmm. like having kids were not on her radar until she is having to confront the fact that she can't, she can't for her life. And there's this incredible scene where she and Annette Bening are talking to each other and they go from laughter to tears to laughter to tears in a way that I have absolutely done with my best female friends that just felt so real and human and spontaneous and just capturing what real life is like. And it it just, it really moved me and resonated with me. I love that Planned Parenthood had a significant part in the film and actually like consulted on it and how Planned Parenthood essentially saves the Greta Gerwig's character's life. So again, bringing it all back, like it feels more timely than ever in a time that we condemn women who are ambitious, (laughs) condemn Planned Parenthood, like all of this stuff. And it's such an important fundamental part of our life that we all experience. We all have mothers, whatever our relationship with our mothers are. It exists. Women exist in this world in several different iterations. And this, this film just gives, it's a love letter to them really. And I love that it's called 20th century women. Yes. It's so, yeah, I just, I loved it. It was a, it was a close competitor for my number one after I thought that there was no easy competitor for number one after I saw it. And this is the other film, basically my number one and my number two are films that at some point of pretty much every single day I've thought about these films yeah. and something makes me remember them. So that's are my we number two. all to our number one? We are. Yeah. And, and we're we, back to you. We are back to me. And I, I, so I my number it's... one is a film called Moonlight. My number one is a film called Moonlight. My number one is a, film called Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> so let's all just discuss it. Yeah, let's just. So this film is directed by Barry Jenkins. Uh, it is Barry sort Jenks. of a... Uh, uh, it's a triptych of just American life for a young gay black male in Miami or yeah. Florida, Southern Florida, uh, growing up. and So like eminently fundable as a movie. Right, clearly. Like, <laughs> yeah. every studio was chomping at the bit to fund this film, this blockbuster. It's, I mean, I didn't, so I wrote a bunch of notes for all of my, like, 17 through 2. I didn't write anything for this because I, I don't, I can't. Like, it's so undeniable. Just as a, a film lover, it was like, obviously, this is the best film that was made this year. Yeah. But also just as a, as a person, Human. like, this is my favorite movie yeah. of the year. Like, and I didn't cry as much as I cried as I was just mentioning Sing Street and I wept. I wasn't laughing as much as I laughed at this, that, or the other thing. Like, it just, yeah. it was. And it is number one. I think for me... I feel very similarly to you that I cannot articulate it whatsoever why it's number one. But I think a connection that I've made is that it, for me, is very similar to something like Mad Max last year, where it's like (laughs) the best of what cinema can do. And um, the journey that it takes you on, basically, is, is what it's all about. And yeah. Showing you a life, yeah, so completely that's outside your own, yeah. But 
without like trying or forcing helping you empathize with what that is like and being so specific that you relate yeah but with the craft that only movies can provide can provide you know you could imagine this being a brilliant well wasn't it based on something like a play Uh, an unproduced unproduced play play. unproduced play so you can imagine this being a brilliant novel you can imagine this being a great miniseries or tv series or painting (laughs) if it was whiplash um would it be like (laughs) violet like color um yeah i mean i'm gonna stop because i can't I can't. Right. I feel so I know, I stupid kind of, and it's hard. I also but... kind of feel like just telling you to like go read the A.O. 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 Scott review for New York Times because that is one of the best reviews and piece of writing about cinema that I've read in years. Um, not to like take away from our own ability to articulate what we like about a film, but it's sort of expressed. But I think it just hits everybody in a personal way and it also takes what could be archetypal characters or a community you know because i i have examined sort of complex feelings about my love and appreciation of this movie as a white straight middle class woman and like am i putting something on it that i should not be because it is feel good about right do i feel good about championing this movie because it's a black gay story about someone growing up in like a drug addled community and but it's really not or at least I don't think it is because that's not my reaction to it isn't like oh look at this community like it's more like this is showing the humanity of people that I feel like I've never seen personally the humanity of yeah um and it's an interesting examination of so many things. It's an interesting examination of poverty and how it can be corrupted by drugs, but that doesn't change the core humanity and love that people have for one another in a way that I think people are often dehumanized, particularly in, in, in populations of color. Mm-hmm. Um, Questions about masculinity, particularly within the black community, like Mm -hmm. all of these things. But at the end of the day, it's just a story about a very human need to be seen for who you are. For sure. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And that's, you know, Little's first experience. The the main character, Chiron, in the first part of three is called Little, which also is very personal for me because he looks just like one of my students who <laughs> loves to dance. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and Juan is sort of the first person to sort of see him for who he is yeah. and the effect that that has on his life and how that's just this lifeline. And then you come around to the end and Kevin is, again, one of the few people to just see Chiron really who he is through all the posturing through all the his own confusion about who he is as a person and how we all need that in our lives we need someone who can just see us see us yep for us and it's such like a beautiful message that transcends the blackness or the gayness or the whatever of the film it's a really like universal story of empathy yeah 
that feels so crucial at a time like this. And then on top of it is just exquisitely made. I mean, the cast top to bottom. This is another like casting director Oscar. There should be a casting Oscar. And oh my fucking God. Four people should win it this year. But (laughs) but if I had to choose one, it would be be Moonlight. But just casting those younger actors and then the adolescent actors and the adult actors and the fact that we they now know that each other Barry perform. Jenkins like did not like have them interact or like create the character together or perform together. It was just him being like, yeah. "This is the character. Yeah, let's create it together." And that he was able to do it with all three actors playing the Sharon or Kevin character yeah. throughout all three storylines, and it's it it's woven so beautifully. It's so lyrical and so methodically moving. Yeah. And it also just like. The score is incredible. The cinematography, yep, the cinematography is incredible. Is gorgeous. The, the editing. Oh my Christ. The music selection yeah. is so incredible. There's a song, and I forget now what it is, which makes me mad because I had tried to like make a mental note, um, which it's like a scene in the trailer where Chiron and Andre Holland, who... Andre Holland's sexiest... Oof. 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 Yes, ma'am. Also, that last third is so romantic, which yep. is not what you're expecting from that movie, is for it to be like genuinely romantic. And he was supposedly, Barry Jenkins was like inspired by Wong Kar Wai and having recently seen I In the Mood for Love. I totally like, see that. Yep, I see it. The food, the music. Yep. Um, but when they're in the car driving and, and, uh, Andre Holland asks him, like, who is you, Chiron? Who is you? Like, I forget what the song is, but it's basically a song about, like, pot. It's a rap, it's a hip hop song about sort of male posturing. And it's just layered underneath, and you don't even think about it. I didn't even connect it until I heard someone, like, on another podcast, like, play a clip of that scene, and I listened to the song, and I was like, oh, right. It's, like, all there underneath or hello stranger which plays in that last third that andre holland puts on mm-hmm. and it's so like everything about it every choice is intentional and deepens the experience of that film it's just impeccably made yep beyond then the humanity and empathy that runs through it yeah beyond the fact that it's a story of a character we haven't seen before and yeah. aren't likely to see for a while like Beyond the novelty of all that bullshit. Yeah. It's just a amazingly crafted film. Film. Yeah. That moved us all on is all our number one film of 2016. Cine Drunk History that we all have the same number one film. Which is interesting though, because I feel like the rest of our top tens were pretty diverse. There wasn't that much overlap. Yeah. Compared to some past some years. Sing yeah, it was like and... Moonlight, Sing Street, 20th Century Women. But only you and I. Right. Arrival, just you and I. But yeah. That's like it. Handmaid and you and I. Yeah, I don't yeah. think. I think Moonlight might be the only actually film. Moonlight and Sing Street Moonlight are the only. Sing Street. Yeah. I think that was it. Two films that overlap between the three of us. So that's great. There you go. Snaps for that. See all of these films. We have all many more end of the year extravaganza things coming on. I'll be putting on my fanciest ball gown. To go with her track jacket. To go with my track jacket. Yes. I'll be taking off my face and putting it back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thanks so much for joining us for our top ten. Of 2016. There will never be another camel.